Now, this is a wonderful passage of Scripture. 1 John chapter 3, in verse 1, reading. We've read these before, but I'm going to read them very slowly because there's more nourishment that the Lord has in this passage for us. John, as an old man, says this, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. Now, you know the world is looking for love, isn't it? it is. What is love? I'm not, I'm not necessarily preaching about love. I'll mention it, but what is love? How, how do we explain love? You know how the Bible explains love? When the Bible mentions love in its, its purest form, it takes us to the cross. It says that Jesus died for us in this kind of great love. How I many you know there's no greater love than Calvary's love? And, he's, and when he's saying, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, he's talking about something we can't earn. He's talking about something which God has bestowed upon us in his mercy and his grace. And what he's talking about is salvation. He's talking about God in his love, bestowing it and giving it to us. That we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. He uses this word again. Beloved, now we are children of God. Right now. We are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. In other words, the best is yet to come. Shout amen. That's right. Best is yet to come. I know some of you are going through trials, and I don't make light of that. I don't make light of that. I've noticed over the last year or two here, I've probably never seen God's people go through more storms and difficulties than they have. Some of them have been extraordinarily heavy. With that, sometimes we feel isolated. With that, we feel afraid sometimes. With that, sometimes we wonder, God, are you hearing my prayers? We, we've all had those things. You know, we're all the same. You understand that. We're all the same in the sense that we kind of think we're the only one going through stuff, but there's a lot of people that are facing trials. But I want to echo, and, and this was on my heart as, as we were worshiping, and then Brother Jason got up and said the very same thing. And, and then Sister Stephanie began to sing along the same theme, and I felt all morning to say that you are not alone. You may feel alone, but your feelings can be very deceptive. Your feelings can lie to you. Your emotions can lie to you. But you know what? God's word will never lie to us. The Lord is with us. And he says here, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. Got some things in your life that you wish you could change? Got some errors in your life that you want to grow in? You will be changed. God's at work. We shall see him. Come on, as he is. We shall see him as he is. Notice, and everyone who has this hope in him, in him, capitalized, in him, Jesus Christ, purifies himself just as he is pure. Father, help your servant today. We realize what an important moment this is to stand in this place, to use my vocal cords, 
to preach and teach the word of God. I pray for an anointing of your presence. I pray for grace. You know the food your people need. You know the nourishment we need. You know the words we need. You know everything we need. You know us so intricately. And Father, today I ask you to shepherd us with your staff. Shepherd us with your word. Guide us to where we need to go today. And we ask you to open our hearts, open our minds, and we say, devil, you cannot take this word from us. We're going to hold on to it. And let it, O God, be planted in the fertile soil, the good soil that Matthew 13 talks about. And for this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I want to speak for a few minutes this morning on something that I've actually been talking about, but I want to change it a little bit. Could I do that? I want to change it a little bit. Because the more I meditated in this verse the more I realized that it, it absorbed, and I thought, okay, yeah, that's, that's right, what I said, so it wasn't wrong, so don't go there. But I titled several messages, I am a child of God. Just say that. Say, I am a child of God. Now, is that true? That is true. If we, if we are born again and know Jesus Christ, we are, we, we are, or I am a child of God. But I noticed something here, and there's nothing wrong with that. I am a child of God. I titled three messages, I am a child of God. But I want you to notice with me here, as we look at these verses, it doesn't simply say that I am a child of God, but did you notice here that in three verses, it used us twice, and it used we six different times. Maybe you didn't notice that. So this verse is not simply saying I am a child of God. These, these three verses are saying we are children of God. Did you catch the nuance? Why don't we say it that way? Say it this way. We are children of God. Come on, say it again. We are children of God. So I want to change it a little bit. Nothing wrong with it. I am a child of God. That's true. But you know, when, when, when I come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, it becomes not simply me on my own. I'm a child of God, but we are a children of God, and we're children of God together. And I want to talk about that. I'm going to talk about that today. I really have three things that I want to say. The first one's going to be a little longer. The second two will be very brief. We've been talking, and the Lord's been speaking to me about identity. Our spiritual identity. You know, our identity changed. Your identity changed. Because when someone comes to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, there's a real change that takes place. I mean, my name, my earthly name doesn't change, but there's a real spiritual change that takes place where the scripture says, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. I like what the NLT says. It says, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Do you know that you're a different person than the person you were before you became a Christian? I didn't say join a church. I didn't say to join a denomination. I didn't say become religious. I said to become a Christian. In other words, becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. It's a, it's a, a real spiritual reality that takes place. And what happens is, and I'm seeing this more and more in my own life and in the, in, the, in, the, in the church as we live out in this modern world, it's very important that we find our identity only in the Word of God. Can I hear an amen? Only what the Word of God, I am what the Word of God says I am. 
In other words, this is the truth and the reality about who God is, how, what the world's really like, what our, what our past, our present, and what our future is. This is a prophetic word. Over a quarter of this book is prophetic. And we're going to talk a little bit about where we're headed. And we're headed to a wonderful place. Come on. Come on, Sister Devaney, turn your eyes upon Jesus. We're going there one day. We're going to see him. The Bible says that. But we have to find our identity only in the Word of God. It's very important. And, and the reason for that is this. There's a danger of misplaced identity. Spiritual misplaced identity. And you say, well, what, what's, the, what's the danger? One is, if you don't know your identity in Christ, you're going to miss out on God's will for your life. I don't know if there's anything more tragic than missing, than literally living your whole life and really missing out on God's plan for your life. The most important thing about our lives is what God's plan is for our lives. And I, I, don't, I don't, you know, I think probably the most miserable people are not lost people. But I think some of the most miserable people are those who are saved, but yet are walking outside of the will of God. Because they know enough about God to, to know the truth, but yet they don't have enough of God to be living out that truth. And that's a miserable place to live, one foot in the world, one foot in the church. But you know, the greatest life to live is a life surrendered to Jesus Christ. There's nothing more wonderful. Listen, on our, on our worst day, it's still full of glory. Come on. Missing the will of God. Another danger of misplaced identity is I think we become vulnerable to the enemy. We become vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. We don't, we don't know who we are. We don't know the authority we have, which the word of God says that we have. And then, of course, just missed blessings, missed privileges, missed opportunities that we have. Now, here's what the word of God says about identity. And this is in the NLT, and I'll just quote a little portion of this. Romans 12, 2 says, Let God transform you into the new person by changing the way you think. That's the NLT. Let God, you know, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But the NLT says, Let God transform you into the new person. A new person by changing the way you think. In other words, think the way God's word tells you to think. See yourself in light of what God's word identifies us as. So you know what? We are children of God. There's three things, and I've said one will be a little bit longer, two will be very brief. And in these three verses, I see three things. That I want, I want the Lord to grip your heart with this. The first one, and, and it, it, listen, if I don't get past but just the first one, it's, this is so important. I cannot, cannot explain and emphasize more about how important these first thought is. I see three things. I'm going to give you them and then we'll walk through them. Here's three things out of these three verses. And the verses I refer to 1 John 3, 1 through 3. One, one is this, and that is when we are born again, we enter a fellowship of believers. That's why I changed it from I'm a child. That's why I changed it from I'm a child of God to we are children of God. And I think according to the text, it's necessary to say it that way. And, and the reason I say that is because we, we are never to serve God in isolation. Amen. But when we're born again, we enter this fellowship 
of believers called the church. Second thing I see here in this text is this. This fellowship of believers has a certain eternal destiny which was already predicted from eternity past. And then thirdly, those, who have this, those in this fellowship who have this hope can clearly be identified as those who are identified as living godly lives. Now let's look at it. First is this. When we're born again, we enter a fellowship which is vital. Hmm. See, we're, we're saved, and when we're saved, we enter a family. Now, I hear people flippantly say, oh, you know, the church is a family, but I've been part of some folks that didn't feel much like family. They were the bad pieces of the tree, of, you know what I'm saying? But uh, uh, God bless them. Hallelujah. And I, and I hear us say that kind of flippantly. Yeah, you know, the church is a family. Do we really believe that? Because we're talking about identity, and that is a reality. When we are saved, we we are savingly united to Christ. But notice, we're also united to a family. We're united to a body. The Bible says in Corinthians, for by one spirit we've all been made We've all been baptized into one body. Now notice what it says. Whether Jews or Greeks or slaves or free. And have all been made to drink of one spirit. Now think about it. In the first century where 60 million of them were slaves. And then Paul comes along and brings the gospel and brings the identity. And said in Christ we are the same. And in Christ we are one. And every single one of us have been made united into this body. It's important. It's important also that we understand that we don't create unity. You and I don't create unity. I I hear people talk about we we don't create it. It's already been created. You don't create the unity. I don't create the unity. Anything that we create like that is not unity, but it's uniformity, which is not scriptural. But unity was created by Jesus Christ. But we are called to maintain the unity that's already been created in Christ. Because when we're saved, we're savingly united to a spiritual family, the family of God. And then we can say, we are the children of God. And and the Lord kind of corrected me because there's too many folks in our own nation that are Christians saying, I am a child of God. And they're living out there kind of independent on their own. And we're supposed to be saying, no, no, no. We are the children of God. Notice what Paul said. Notice we don't create the unity. It's been created. But we have to maintain it. Ephesians says it like this. Ephesians 4.1, therefore, as the prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling by which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness and longsuffering, bearing with one another in love. Now notice this, endeavoring, say that with me, endeavoring. You know what that word means? It means to strain with every nerve. This is a pursuit. We don't create the unity, but we're called to maintain it. How do we maintain it? With every fiber of our being. Endeavoring. That means to strain with every nerve. Endeavoring to what? To keep, to keep the unity of the spirit in, in the bond of peace. Notice what he says about unity. He's, it's already created. There's one body. 
church. There's one spirit, Holy Spirit. You're called to one hope of your calling. That's the hope of the resurrection. One Lord, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. One faith, that's the faith of the word of God. One baptism, that's baptism in the body of Christ. One God and Father of all, that's, that's God the Father who is above all, through all, and in you all. You understand the weight of this? It's not about just you know, finding a church we like or kind of finding what we want. This is about belonging to a spiritual body. This is, about, this is about something deeply spiritual and that Jesus Christ is passionate about. I've heard people talk about the church as if it's some kind of, you know, ethereal, you know, mystical, ethereal, invisible body out there somewhere. Do you realize that 99% of the time when the New Testament mentions a church, it mentions a church, a church in a city with real people, with spiritual leaders in a certain locale. It talks about a real church, the local church. And Jesus is very passionate in his love for the local church. So here's what it means. We belong to each other. And we need each other. I'm going to say that again. We belong to each other. And I'm going to add a little word to it. We desperately need one another. God does not want anyone to live in isolation. With our technology and all our connectedness, I think people feel more lonely than ever. Why? Because social media won't do it. You know, posting a, a touched-up picture won't do it. Getting a following of people you don't even know. You never talk to them. All you know about them is a little click of a like or a dislike. How silly and shallow we are. And yet, God said this, two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their labor. If they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who, fall, who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though he, though he may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not easily broken. One of the reasons that the Lord established the church, and I would say this, the major reason, the major reason that the Lord created the church is to give us a fellowship is to give us a place to pray together, to love each other, to encourage each other, to challenge each other, to watch over one another, to protect one another. The fellowship of the church is vitally, vitally important. So I say today, not just that I am a child of God, and I believe I am, but I'm going to say it. I think it's even better to say we are the children of God. And as children of God, if these three verses use us twice and we six times, it tells us that when we're saved, we're saved into a fellowship called the church. Do you realize the word fellowship in the New Testament? Translated all kind of different ways. I think the word fellowship, koinonia is the, koinonia is the Greek word, but it's translated, I think if my memory serves me correct, 11 different ways. 
11 different English translations translates it all kind of different ways. And in some, sometimes the same translation will translate the same Greek word in two, three different ways. It's amazing. But it's a wonderful word. Fellowship. It's the koinonia. It's the, and what it means is to have in common. Now I look across this room and I see older people. I'm looking at you, Bob. And I'm, I know there's younger people in here. I'm looking at myself now. But I'm lying like a rug. We got little boys out here, little girls. They're just starting out in life, right? We have young men. We have young ladies. We have Hispanic and African American and Hawaiian. Come on. Aloha. And the world is trying to get us to focus on all of our differences. And it is sinful, and it is divisive, and it's wrong. And why is that? Because when I become a Christian, I have everything in common with every other child of God. No matter what their ethnicity, ethnicity, no matter what color their skin, no matter what their socioeconomic background, no matter if they're young, if they're old... What we have in common is that we are savingly united to this family called the fellowship in Jesus Christ. Jude, the brother of our Lord, said this. This is the NLT. Dear friends, I have, I have been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation that we all share. The common salvation. The salvation that we all share. What do we share? We share the same life together. The Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian, are you a Christian? Say amen. Amen. If you're a Christian, you claim to be a Christian, you confess Christ as Lord and you are a Christian, do you realize that the same Holy Spirit that dwells in you dwells in me? There's only one Spirit. I read it to you. One Spirit. Do Do you know we're tied together spiritually? That's why you be very careful about speaking behind someone's back. We call it gossip. Why? Because, because we all meet together at the Father's presence. And if the Holy Spirit is in you and the Holy Spirit is in them and you're talking about them, the Father's listening. We share this life together. It's, the, it's heavenly life. It's It's the life of Jesus Christ through the Spirit. Every one of us share this life. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? We are God's children. We share the same Word of God. I got me a new little Bible yesterday. Brad's looking at it. I need a little Bible to carry around, you know, just to hold it, you know. (laughs) Isn't that just cute as it can be? Look at that right there. We all, sh- we all have this. We all share this together. We're sharing in it right now. We share this miracle book called The Word of God. And Brother Brad and I have been in, uh, in conversation. We're working on something for next year. We're going to connect our whole church together in a journey through the Word of God. Man. It's all connected. There's a, there's a program that's connected with an, it has an app, and we can all be connected. Adults, children, everyone together. We share the word. We share the same love for Christ. 
We share the same concern for the world. Talking to a gentleman the other day, and we're just chit-chatting about college football. And it was all good, and we talked and talked. And as soon as I mentioned I I would be preaching on Sunday morning, he said, I'm going to be doing this on Sunday. I said, well, I'm a minister. I'll be preaching on Sunday morning. It was like I poured cold water on the whole conversation. It was, it was like he thought I was an alien, but I am an alien, and I'm a stranger. But I, I thought, you know, this man needs the Lord. This man needs Jesus. There was two little boys up on the job site, on the building site, just a few minutes ago. I was talking to them. I said, boys, do y'all go to church? He said, yeah, my, I go to church. I said, well, it's Sunday morning. You're not in church. Why are you, why are you here? He said, well, my grandmama didn't pick me up this morning. I was concerned about those boys, two little black boys that Jesus loves. We share the same desire to glorify God. That's why we're doing this, to glorify the Lord. Amen? We share the same destiny. You know, try to get along with folks because you're going to be with them a long time. And God's going to make your mansion right next to theirs. That one that, that <laughs> I'm telling you, that's the way it's going to be. That one that gets on your nerves the most. Going to put you the mansion right next to the ears. Yep, that's right. They might not even mow the grass and mess with you up there. I don't know. But he say fellowship. We are God's children, and when we're saved, we're savingly united to this wonderful spiritual family. We're united. We don't create the unity. We don't create it. It's been created. The moment we're saved, we become one in spirit with Christ and others, with the family. However, I have to mention this. One of the first symptoms that our relationship with God is weakening is when our fellowship with the saints and our desire to be with God's people is begins to be weakened. Yeah. Yeah. See, the scripture says this, not forsaking the assemblings of yourself together. Do you know, that's not a suggestion. That's a command that we have. You hear that? That's a command. That's a command that we should obey, not forsaking the assemblings of yourself together. See our fellowship with God is most definitely connected with our fellowship with other believers. You ever notice it in Scripture? You ever notice it? John, in another place, talked about it. Look at, you know, we're, we're preaching out of 1 John chapter 3, but let's, let's rewind back to 1 John chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. Notice how our relationship with God and our relationship with the church, other believers, is vitally connected And listen, when our heart is right with God, we want to be with God's people. Look how God connects it. 1 John 1, 6. If we say we have fellowship with him, that's God, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, that's the truth, as he is in the light... Then we have fellowship with one another, and his blood, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Notice this. Notice when, when we're cleansed and we're walking in the light and we're loving God and we're right with God, we also have fellowship with, with one another. Truth is, when we're right with God, we want to be with God's people. 
We want to be where God's people are. We want to be where prayer is and worship is. We want to be where preaching is. David said it this way. I was glad when they said unto me. Did somebody read that this morning or did, did I just have it on my mind? David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. How did the first, you know, the acts and the epistles and all are our blueprint. It's a blueprint for the church for all time. Well, how did they live? Here's how they lived. Acts 2.42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship with the break of bread and prayers. Constantly having fellowship. Constantly together. Constantly finding moments to get together and read the Bible. To get together in a life group. You know, to get together in a Sunday school class. We'll have more of that as we get in our new facility. Able to come early and to study the word of God and to pray together and worship together. That's how they, that's how they did. And there's so much in our world that's pulling people away from the church. Some churches didn't even survive the uh, pandemic. Didn't even survive. Didn't even make it. Broke. Many a pastor is going to die with a broken heart to watch how the enemy just suck the life out of the church. How about let's, not let, him, let's let him not do it to this church. Come on, amen. We're moving forward. And everything we've done over the last two and a half years has been to posture us, to move us forward. And we're doing everything we're doing by faith because God has told us to do it. Here's what fellowship means. Fellowship means that we're concerned about one another. Have you noticed, and I want to go through a few of these. Have you noticed that in Scripture, all of the one another's, have you noticed those? Do you realize that one another is used in this way almost 50 times in the New Testament alone? One another. Everybody say, one another. What does the Bible say about, and this is why the fellowship is so important. Because it's not just, now listen to this. I'm emphasizing this. It's not just I'm a child of God and I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm doing my thing. I'm getting my, my YouTube sermon and I'm getting my Facebook this and, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got my version app. And, man, I'm just, I'm just living in my little isolated world as I try to go to heaven. Mm-mm, no, sir. No, sir. No, ma'am. It's not I'm a child of God, though that may be true. It's that we are God's children. Here's what the word of God says. Now think about this. You cannot obey these commands sitting home on YouTube. Now I know if you're physically sick, we got all that. Or if you're, you know, you know, vacation, join us. Come on from the beach, come on. Or the mountains, whatever your choice is. But, but hear this. The, com- the, the, the commands which our Christ Jesus gave us cannot be obeyed on social media. Can't do it. You have to be physically present in the church and in the lives of people to obey these. You have to be involved. The first thing he said is love one another. I mean, a dozen times, uh, just a few, uh, First John or, or St. John 13, a new commandment I give you that you love one another as I've loved you. That you also love one another. By this shall all men know you're my disciples because you love one another. 
John 15, 12. This is our commandment, that you love one another as I've loved you. That's verse 12. Verse 17, this, these things I command you, that you love one another. Over and again, keep, keep saying it. Paul said it, Romans 13, 8. Oh, no one anything but to love one another, for he who loves has fulfilled the law. Paul told the Thessalonians, same thing. He says, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all. Chapter 4 in Thessalonians. But concerning brotherly love, I have no need that anyone should write to you. For you yourselves are taught of God to love one another. Everyone say, love one another. Can't do this at home. Here's another thing the Lord said. Ephesians 5.21, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Submit to one another. Now, now, now in our modern, independent, prideful days, oh, submit. You know, we don't want to submit to anything or anyone. We don't recognize hardly any authority in our modern day. We talk about authority like, like they're dirt. But that's not the Christian way. Well, when you see this, this submitting to one another, it's not, it's not talking about someone forcing you to submit. This is really, we could talk about, we could use this word, a willing cooperation. You know, when the Spirit of God is in us and there's humility in us, we want to cooperate. We want to, we want to, we want to walk together in a, in a sweetness. And I want to tell you, I want to brag on our church. I want to say that over the last two and a half years, and we, Brother JR and, and, and Kevin and, 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 and Josh and Jason, we could all testify how sweet this has been. I mean, it's been hard because it's just taken a while and, you know, we're pressing through things. But you guys have been so sweet to not make things hard or to complain or why this or that. And I, I, I tell you, I believe we have this in our church, this willing submission, this willing cooperation that we're going to move together. I think McKenzie read it this morning, how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity in this willingness that I want to work with you and you want to work with me. And together we work with God for his honor and his glory. Submit to one another. You and I both have met people that if you sit up, they'd sit down for no reason. It's just in them to be rebellious. There's a rebellious spirit in them. You can have 20 people in a room and let, let that kind of person walk in. And in an hour, everybody's in conflict with one another. It's like they carry a spirit of conflict upon them, and maybe they do. But I know this. The Bible commands us to submit to one another. Have that sweet spirit to be able to work with, with one another i got to go quick. Comfort one another. Thessalonians, comfort one another. This is in the light of the coming of the Lord passage when people had died. You know, if, we, if, if there's ever been a time in this pandemic that we need this verse, we need to comfort people. People have lost loved ones. People have lost fathers and mothers and children and grandparents. And all oh, may the church have a voice of comfort in this hour. And then the Bible says, in 1 Corinthians 12, 25, that we're to care for one another, that there should be no schism in the body. Hear that? What's the will of God? No schism, not even one. But the, the members should have the same care for one another. The members, look at it, the members. It didn't say the pastor should do all the caring. The, no, the body, we're, we are the children of God, and every person in the body has a command to care for one another. We should, this should be a caring fellowship. And you know what? What a beautiful thing when everyone's caring. Here's a big one. Forgive one another. 
And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. I've had to forgive some people, and I have forgiven them. I bless them. I'll bless them if I see them. Why? Because I'm not holding that in my heart anymore. If someone hurts you, forgive them. Let me just stop here. Would you give me just a little longer? Don't look back. Remember Lot's wife. Don't look at that clock. Just give me another moment. Modern psychology has ruined many Christians. Now you listen to me. Are you listening today? Nowhere in the scripture does it say that you go sit down to a counselor and he's going to pull up a bunch of silly repressed memories and you're going to sit around and talk about how your mom treated you, how your dad treated you, how your siblings treated you, how your boss treated you, how your church treated you, this and that. And you said all that's going to do is make you depressed and defeated and destroyed. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that we are to forgive. Don't drag something up that happened 20 years ago. That is not the will of God. It is not the, are you hearing? It is not the will of God. You forgive them. Stop talking about it. Start thinking about it. Treat them as Jesus treated you. You think you're going to go to Jesus and go, oh, Lord, I have a need in my life. Jesus could say, hold on a second. You sinned in 1972. Is that the way he's going to treat you? Well, you did this. I, he even knows our thoughts, right? He knows everything we do. He knows what you thought driving down 635 and that rascal cut you off. He even knew what you said and you wouldn't dare say it to anyone else, but you said it. You said it. I know you said it. You think God's going to pull all that up? You might've said something bad, but, and then you said, Oh, forgive me, Lord. I was frustrated. Forgive me, Jesus. He's going to wash it. He's not going to pull it up in 10 years. I'm telling you, there's been many a family destroyed, many relationship destroyed because people hold on to things. They won't forgive them. They keep dragging them up and dragging them up and dragging them up. The Bible says, forgive from your heart. Let it go. Don't think about it anymore. Put it behind you. Forgive one another and move on to your blessed future. Amen? Amen. Forgive one another. Don't let some psychologist set you down and talk about repressed memories. That's, that comes from ungodly teaching. The Bible says forgive. That means to release. Come on, say, say this out loud. I release my enemies. I release everyone that's ever hurt me. I release them. I'm not going to bring it up again. I'm not going to think of it anymore. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. And I'm moving toward joy. Come on. Hallelujah. We're moving toward joy. Stop hanging on. Don't let that hang on. You see, unforgiveness, I've learned and I've heard this, is like, it's like you drinking poison and think it's, it's going to hurt somebody else. That's what unforgiveness, you drink the poison, but you think it's going to hurt them and they're out at the lake fishing having a great time. And you put yourself in a prison. I'll tell you, it's worth a few extra moments here. I'm telling you, some of you are going to get free. Forget it. So my counseling sessions will be really short. No, really. No, you think I'm kidding you. Now, that sounds funny. You snicker really short because somebody's going to sit down with me and go, start going into, oh, well, so-and-so did this, and they did that, and they did this. They're going to go, oh, let's get to the answer. Well, I've been wounded. I've been this. Well, we all have, yeah. What we're going to get to is Calvary. We're going to hear Jesus. Father, forgive them. 
See, we don't get to the answer. We don't want to sit around and talk about all the stuff that wounds and licking our wounds. Forget about all that stuff. Forgive. Come on. Forgive one another. The Bible says edify one another. Build one another up. The Bible says receive one another. Yeah. The Bible says esteem one another. Let me read that verse. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but with lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than themselves. That means when you look at someone, esteem them. See value in them. You know, people can pick folks apart. You know, got a hair out of place. I don't have that problem. I got too many hairs left, you know. So, hey, hallelujah. Esteem them. Honor them. See good in them. Then it says, I'm almost done. Consider one another. So you can't, you can't do this when you're sitting on YouTube. Okay. This, this really has to do with, with looking and being close enough to someone's life that, that you consider what they're going through. You consider their feelings. You consider their struggles. It's a relationship that you're, you're having. And then it says, Exhort one another. That's just a little stronger here. Let me read that. But, but exhort one another daily, as it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. That means this. There is room in the church and in our Christian relationships to, to warn each other about sin. Listen, when, when somebody loves you enough to warn you about the path you're going down, that's real love. Listen, people that want to just flatter you and don't want to tell you the truth, they don't really love you. But if you really love someone, you're going to warn them about maybe an activity they're in or or a neglect that's happening in their lives. That's not unloving. That's a loving thing to do. And the Bible says admonish one another. This goes along with with the sense of warning to strengthen the believers. Fellowship has to do with sharing. Yeah. I want you to stand. Tori, would you come to the piano just for a moment? Here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do. This is on my heart, and I'm, I'm done with the message. Well, I'm not really done. You're never done. You're never done. There's just so much. I, I told you I didn't even get to my other two points. But that's all right. I'm, I'm not, listen, I'm just going to do what the Lord wants. Uh, here's what I want us to think about, and we're going we're gonna to pray, and I have a certain thing I want to do. Uh, when we're born again, it's not just simply this kind of independent, I'm a child of God, you know, I'm a king's kid. The truth is we are God's children. We're vitally connected together. We desperately need each other in this journey. And when I'm really walking with God, I want to be with God's people. And one of the signs that our spiritual life is slipping it's we just don't desire to be whatever in the prayer meeting or the church meeting or the men. We've got a men's meeting tomorrow. Uh, we have our seniors meeting with Brother Bob and Sister Dorothy on Saturday. We have our women's meeting tomorrow, Cherish, at the Friday. Yeah, for whenever, Friday. Yeah, there we go. I start doing dates and going to mix the whole church up. Sorry. Friday. Um, we need those meetings, don't we? Here's what I want to do if it doesn't embarrass you. I just want right there where you are with those people that are right around you. 
doesn't have to be long, but I want us just to pray for each other. Now, I know uh, you can use some hand sanitizer afterwards. Okay? You don't have to get up in each other's face. But I think it would be all right to just join hands together. Would you do that if it doesn't? Yeah, now, if, you have a, if you're concerned about that, don't just say, hey, I'd rather not. And that's fine. We're not forcing anyone. What I, want, what I want to do, this was on my heart to close this service with this. We're to pray you for one another. I don't think I've included that one. Pray for one another. Here's what I've told our worship team for years. I always remind them, not always, but periodically I'll, I'll remind them when they're about ready to go up to worship. Here's what I tell them. I say these words and they can testify to this. They could really say it. I'll say, team, listen to me today. As you're leading worship, remember this. You never know what somebody's going through. See, that's, that's different than just performing or singing. And they're definitely not performers. They're worship leaders. But I always remind them. I, always, I say always, periodically, not always. I'll just say these words. It's kind of the same little speech. Guys, remember this. You never know what someone's going through. So meaning this. So when you're leading worship today, you may be leading worship to a congregation that somebody's thinking about just ending it all. Somebody maybe just got the pink slip. Somebody may have got divorce slip. Papers. Somebody may have lost something. Somebody may be in conflict. Somebody may be in loneliness. And I always tell them that. They're always so gracious to, to receive that. Maybe, though I don't know what you're going through today, but I know this. We need God's body. We need the body of Christ. And what I want you to do as we close this time together, I want you just to sincerely from your heart, just say a few words to God for that person. He knows what they need. Maybe just pray in the spirit quietly. But I want you to release your prayers to Father God on behalf of that person. Would you pray for them? Would you do that? Go ahead right now in Jesus' name. Father, let your prayers, let our prayers be released in this room, Father, for one another. God, how desperately we need one another. How desperately we need the body of Christ. How desperately we need to share together and encourage one another and comfort one another and pray for one another. Oh, Father, in the name of Jesus, release a spirit of fellowship among us. Help us, Lord, to understand how much we have in common. And what we have in common is that we all share our sharers in God's life in the Holy Spirit. I ask you for healing. Lord, if someone's carrying unforgiveness, I pray that they would just let it go. Stop rationalizing. Jesus has forgiven us so much and we, we release our enemies. We release those who wounded us. We're not going to talk about it. We're not going to put them in a bad light. We're not going to think about it anymore. We just place it in your hands. Release forgiveness today. Thank you, Father. We worship your great name. We worship your great and wonderful name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now what I'd like to do is just drop those hands and just lift them up toward heaven and just worship him. Another moment and we're, we're done. Father, we worship you. Lord, we believe you're going to draw people to this fellowship that need your mercy, that need your love and grace. We worship you, we bless you, we praise you. We honor your wonderful and great name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And now, Father, as we conclude this time,
I pray that your rich blessings will be upon this fellowship. That in the days, months, and weeks ahead, that as we transition in the months ahead to our new facility, that we're going to see more and more people drawn to our church. And I pray that this fellowship would be ready and prepared, that every ministry would be prepared, Lord, that every Christian would be expectant and every person would be in place, in their place, in the purpose and the will of God. Lord, as we go throughout this week, remind us that we are your children. And that we have been united together in the precious blood and spirit. And that, Lord, we're going to spend eternity with you together. Today we give all the praise and all the honor to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And everyone who receives it says amen. I love you, church. God bless you today.